0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and the brightest in the world of business and marketing and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity to drive your career forward. My guest today, Brett Barish, is the CEO and co-founder of Sovereign Brands, the company behind world-renowned spirit brands like Ace of Spades, Bamboo, Luke Belair, hopefully I didn't butcher any of these names, and many more. And he comes from a line of spirit industry executives, (laughs) Jim Beam, and operators that kept things in the family, like launching Sovereign with his brother as a co-founder and father as an advisor. And he has found success in the alcohol space by forming real bonds. We're talking real, genuine relationships with recording artists, athletes, actors, and other influencers, and pairing them with world-class products. And there's an art and a science to this, which we're going to dig into. And he's a true veteran of the industry, and Sovereign Brands has grown to sell his products over in 100 countries. So let's get to it. Let's dig in to Brett's story and how he's built this empire. Brett Barish, welcome to the podcast.
1: Adam, thank you for having me on. Thank you for for introducing me to your audience at the podcast. So looking forward to the conversation.
0: And I deeply appreciate you joining me today. Um, you know, we were kind of talking off air. Uh, I do a lot of research. And I'm sure you do too for your show. And when you start to unpack people's careers and you go really deep, you're like, holy shit! Like, like you start to see the real picture of who they are and where they came from. But until we turn this mic on and you turn your mic on on the podcast and you actually talk to folks, you don't get it. So let's, let's bring it back here. Um, your father was the CEO of Jim beam for over 25 years. And he used to talk a ton about the alcohol industry, um, with you and your brother, but correct me if I'm wrong, your dad never wanted you to go into this business, right?
1: No, no. Uh, he, he didn't want that. My brothers and I grew up in this space. We grew up in the industry. That's my dad had a wonderful passion, has a pet and wonderful passion for the space. Um, that's all we talked about the dinner table. That's all we ever knew was what he did for a living because he has no hobbies and he kind of passed that down to us.
0: Did Was your dad specifically a bourbon guy while he joined Jim Beam or was it just more about the industry?
1: Uh, he, well, he spent 45 years at the company, um, and what he educated us and instilled in us, which I, my takeaway is that's the lifeblood of industries is new products and. I get off on that. I love that. I love. It's the hardest part of the industry. We don't have a legacy a legacy brands, but it's new products that drives things.
0: So let, let's just talk about the bourbon category for a moment, because that's uh, you know a passion of mine. I'm a bourbon drinker. I was telling you offline, the Kentucky Bourbon Trail trip was one of the favorite, one of my favorite experiences to really learn how it's made and the passion behind it. But let's talk about innovation in the bourbon space. I mean, there's bourbon right? What are some of the innovations? I mean, how much could you innovate? Is it the, the, the flavoring, the packaging, the, uh, the vintage, the, the age of, of the barrel? I mean, how do you innovate a brand? How do you innovate a steady product? I mean, we've seen it with alcohol, with vodka, I'm sorry, where you flavor the the flavored vodkas, but how do you innovate in the bourbon category?
1: Well, I, uh, I can only answer it the way I look at brand building. Um, I think there's lots of ways to innovate. Um, is there a discernible difference? That's what I'm after. I choose categories not based on what's hot, because if it was hot, I'd be in the bourbon category. That's hot. How do I have a discernible story that has a difference in taste, and is it a better product than my competition? If I don't have that, I can't launch a brand. I don't know how to do it. I have a great bottle, great looking uh, icon for it. Uh, Story, But if there's not a discernible difference where you're tasting that, you're on the trail, you're trying, you're like, wow, this is different, then I can't do it.
0: So you have to truly believe in the product. I mean, we've seen this. I'm jumping ahead a little bit to the conversation. I mean, I I, I go to the liquor store and there is obviously something that's going to pull your eyes to it on the shelf it's going to be a bottle design a look and a feel to it but that only i mean yes it sells it but it's not going to be a repeat business if you pick up a bottle and you purchase it and it looks awesome and it gets your attention and you go home and you pour that first drink and it's garbage
1: that's a terrible
0: you can't put lipstick on a pig right
1: correct i believe that wholeheartedly and i tell my team this all the time I need both. However, I'm not the Diageos and the Bacardis. I don't have the 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 spending power they have to build brands. So, look and feel is important. If you hope that the consumer sees something, it catches their eye, and they want to try it. But, like you said, Adam, if it doesn't taste good, they'll never come back.
0: So, Brett, we're t- we're, we're talking about packaging here, and I got to show you one of my one of my prized possessions. So, I picked this up a few months ago at a uh, antique store. I saw it on the shelf. My wife was like, "I'm going." And we're up in Harrison, New York. And I was like, I'm going to wait outside. I'm going to, you know, look at my phone. And I see this thing in the window. And it catches my attention. 1973 Bob Hope 14th Annual Desert Classic Jim Beam 100-month-old bottle. I mean.
1: It's awesome. So I have, just so you know, Adam, in my room, in my parents' house, I have two bottles on my shelf. One is King Kong. And the other one is Mount St. Helens. And those were bottles that they made back in the day. They used to do these special, special edition bottles. They were just the coolest things. The coolest things.
0: It, it is cool, but it, but it's also the product that's in here that we were talking about earlier. Correct. This is this is a hundred proof, you know, freaking barrel strength over here. I mean, this is this is China. This is this is awesome. How how much you, how much you think I paid for this?
1: Oh, I don't. I, I couldn't even guess. Ten dollars. great, great purchase, great, great, great
0: purchase. So, so we digress here, but I'll give
1: you, but Adam, I'll give you an example. I've got one of the brands you mentioned is a rum we have called bamboo and bamboo is now the, uh, it's the number one premium rum in the United States. Our biggest international market for bamboo is Canada. Hmm. We are the number one premium rum in Canada. No one from our company has ever been there. We haven't done anything. There's no marketing taking place. Nothing's happening it's the taste word of mouth if you've got a good product word of mouth takes over and people want to pick it up that's what i believe in the all the other stuff you need cuz it helps a brand but if it's not like you said if it's not in the bottle it doesn't taste good or better than the competition the consumer's not going to pick it up a second time
0: no 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 why would they you don't want the one-off purchases you want a sticky consumer you want an advocate you want someone who's going to love your brand you know, I, I I'm a Jim Beam. I'm a Basil Hayden fan. Like I love Basil Hayden. Like that's my my go to drinkable bourbon. But let's take a couple steps back because you weren't always in the business. Like it was in the family, but you started in investment banking. I'm sure you you, you didn't you didn't roll in there with uh this beautiful quaff and beard that you have back in the day, did you?
1: No, no. I, <laughs> I I I was uh I I was what I tell people all the time. I was the kid who had a billion ideas. I had so many ideas, so many ideas, and um, didn't know what I want to do. Ended up doing banking because everyone else was doing it. Um, quit my job after a year and wanted to start a bagel stop, shop. Ooh. Uh, a, a friend of mine backed out of it. I was going to do it with. And I, again, I, I was lost, didn't know what I wanted to do. And, uh, uh i was fortunate that at one point in my 30s i finally said i got to commit to something and started this company
0: was there an impetus was there that one moment where you had that aha moment where you're like i don't want to be in investment banking i I have this entrepreneurial spirit and energy to me i'm destined for greater i'm gonna go do it Uh,
1: no i think (laughs) i think i always felt that way i think the hardest part is i think there's two types of people well there's at least two types of people there's one who, who, you know, my daughter is 22, wants to be a psychologist. She knows she wants to do that. That's what she wants to be. That's great. If you know what you want to be, that's awesome. The other one is someone like me, who I had no idea what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to do something on my own. I wanted to touch a brand in some capacity, but it it was just, I don't know, you need to hit the bottom before you can rise up. And for me, it was I just had to get over this idea of I got to pick something. I have to pick something. Once I picked it, then I just, it felt like home.
0: And was was, was it a logical kind of progression, a logical decision to go into the spirits industry because it was in your blood and in your family and what you knew?
1: No, it, 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 I knew, I think what I'm good at, and I, I say this all the all the time is, I'm an outside, I never worked in the industry, never once, never worked in the industry. Um, however, I think that's a good thing. I think if you're too close to something, you can't see the opportunity. So I continue to look at the industry and together with my brother who worked in the industry where we have enough understanding of it, but we look at it from an outsider's perspective. And I think that's a great compliment for the same reason I, I get nervous going into liquor stores. It's too overwhelming. I can't handle it. There's it's a too lot many brands so and sometimes not being around it gives you the best opportunity to see where you can go with it
0: because you're not distracted and you don't have biases you could go in with a clear mind i got to double back and ask you one uh not so professional question where are the best bagels in the country
1: (laughs) h and h bagels in new york
0: i will i will i will take that one there's something is it's the water, right man? Like it's 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 the water. I mean, Montreal has great bagels. The, the Fairmont bagels in Montreal are second best in New York in my opinion.
1: Uh it's it's New York bagels. It's a soft warm bagel H and uh, you I take... smoke something special and walk 60 blocks to get there. So it's worth it.
0: <laughs> How do, how do you take your bagel? What kind of bagel would you put on it?
1: Uh, not if it's soft and warm, nothing. Just eat it.
0: Wow. Pure, you're a straight purist, man.
1: <laughs> you don't need anything. Respect. It's like a, it's the same way I treat alcohol. If if you can drink it straight and it's good, you got a home run. You don't need to put anything in it. You don't need to mix it. You don't need to try anything. I, I literally believe that.
0: No, that's that's a good one too. I mean, that's the way I drink alcohol too. Whenever I have a new brand or product, I mean, I like I like my my spirits on the rocks. I just like it chilled down. Yep. Just a personal preference, but if I'm trying something new for the first time, I'll try it neat. I'll let it sit. I'll let it open up because I I want to taste I want to taste with the distiller in its purest form. Yep. and and, and, so, and real experience it.
1: So uh, if you came to our office and we tasted products, whether it was wine or spirits or champagne, um, we don't spit. We drink. We drink and we swallow. And I'm the normal consumer. I I want to try it just like everyone else does. If I'm spitting it out, that's not. I'm not tasting it. I need to drink it.
0: Let's uh, I I love your approach to to coming into an industry as an outsider, and let's talk about the early days of sovereign brands. Um, you know, with one of your first vodkas, uh, three vodka, right? Um, what was one of those early lessons, you know, from that launch that you had to learn the hard way, man?
1: Um, well, I like to say that three the vodka it was it was my most successful brand. It taught me everything everything on not what to do and 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 then what to do and i think that's the best part when i tell people all the time you know once you start learning your space that's where your value comes in and learning it the hard way and the negatives and what you shouldn't do that's where if you stick with it then you can really add value to what you're doing and that's what happened with us um everything i do today is based on three vodka and what not to do um selling you know we 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 don't rely on anybody. We want to go sell the brand ourselves and tell the story. If I let other people go sell it, then they might not tell it the same way we do. So it's just taking full ownership of it and making sure if anybody's going to fuck it up, it's going to be me.
0: Right. And but what about you know the the those early days and even now? I mean the the competition for shelf space. I mean there's a balance you talked about the Diageos and the and the other large. Um, Pernod and the other big brands out there that have that kind of money and funds to really, you know, end caps, front caps, the advertising, getting in front of people. How does smaller brands like yourself garner the real estate in the retail stores?
1: I, I, it's one of the things we learned. I can't compete with them. I can't. So I don't. can't do what they do. I, if they're doing it, I shouldn't be doing it. If they're buying back bottles, if they're buying shelf space, if they're buying, I can't do it. What I can do is you, and I believe in what I, what we call organic brand building. You gotta find your place. Where are you gonna be successful? What's working? In our industry, so I have a brand, Bel Air, it's the number one champagne sparkling in the United States. Um, it's an enormous brand. In our industry, they say you have to sell it on premise, which is bars and restaurants to then sell it retail. So if I believe that, then I should just be focusing on that. We ended up seeing early on that Bel Air took off at retail, took off at independent retail. It's been ten years. We still haven't started on premise. So that's the example of you don't have to do things the way everyone else does it to succeed. Just if you learn and see what's working, then you then you push forward, you press on the gas that way. So I give huge, you the, sorry, I'll give you a huge lesson for
0: everyone out there. Pause pause on that for one second. Clip, video clip promo clip. I want everyone to go back and listen to that one.
1: Well, I'll give you an example with my kids. Please. So I have a, my son, Beau is seven. He can read and he can read and, and do math. Like he's unbelievable. He's a genius. Um, he can't draw and he can't write worth shit. My daughter is a great artist. Fantastic. She can't, uh, do math or write or, or read well. So what you do as a parent is and is you push forward in those areas what they're good at and let them excel. And then you backfill later for the other stuff. And it's the same thing with brands. Where it works, go forward. Where it's not working, don't push it. You can do that one later. Just go where it works first.
0: Sound Sound advice. Let's uh, let's touch on a on a on a rough time, uh, the gritty times when you went into building this business. Tell us about the time when the IRS was freezing your your accounts. And correct me if I'm wrong. Your mother offered to sell her wedding ring.
1: Yeah, so it's <laughs> that's uh, crazy. I, I like I like transparency because I think there's people out there who were me who uh who I, i'm not i don't like hearing success stories because it, sometimes it makes it seem so easy it's not <laughs> um mine was a long 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 term success um but it, it i had many moments like this uh, uh i i put all my money in the business stop paying myself stop paying taxes uh, because if I stop paying taxes, I get to put more money in the business.
0: Funny how that works, doesn't it, Brett? It,
1: it, and it's, you know what? I learned the hard way. It's a lot the more IRS cash flow. You. The IRS will find you. And they swept my bank account. And then I started putting my salary in my then girlfriend, who's now my wife's name. <laughs> um, uh, it got to the point where I had investors. They wanted to wind up the company. Um, I remember have I remember walking outside, uh, uh, talking to my mom on my cell phone and saying, "Jesus, I I love what I'm doing. I'm happy. If I can just live on on, if I can have enough money to live, I'm perfectly fine." And she said she'll sell all her rings from me. Um, and I told her no. Uh, but the, those are the moments I'm most proud of because I stuck with it. And, and look what's happened.
0: And your mom, the 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 love of a parent. I I feel the same way. I, I feel like you know my parents have always, you know, been there for me. Um, Was that like a safety net thing with your parents or did they give you, when you were growing up, did they give you the room to fail?
1: Uh, I think I'm fortunate. I would say it this way. Yes. I grew up in the industry and my dad was in the business. It's my mom. It's my mom. It's uh, sometimes you need, it doesn't have to be your mom. It could be a family member. It could be a friend. You need somebody who's in your corner. You need someone who's going to root for you and cheer for you and, and say you can do it. Um, uh, sometimes there are people like me who just don't have confidence, and I'm still learning to get have confidence. You need people who are in your corner who say, "I will," you know. You're, you're, you can do this. You can be. You can make. You can get there. My mom is fearless. Uh, she's a fighter, uh, and uh, ninety plus years old, rollerblades on her own. Love it. Uh, Where's my brands everywhere she goes. Goes up to everybody and talks about our brands.
0: She's proud of you
1: yeah and does it that,
0: that give you confidence doesn't 100%. that like my, like like i i had a chapter that came out in a book the other day and, and my parents called me i mean they were so proud of their son and this like that's that's the affirmation that i need that i'm doing like for for them that they're proud and happy and they you know they 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 always have my back i mean that that for me is everything
1: yeah and but it's i think for me now it's i it feels good to say to her look what look what you believed in and you were right like look, you know it's it's putting it back on her and saying thank you, um I love it, I think it's perfectly healthy. Shout out to your mom, man if your mom does it for you, it's awesome I love it That's... uh she's fearless, like I said, she's fearless and fearless she's instilled that in me
0: what a what a what an attribute, fearless. Right. What what an attribute to go out there and just not be scared and take challenge and risk. So let's pivot the conversation to was it was it from an early an early stage with sovereign brands that you took the approach and knew that it would be best to align with influencers. And we're talking years back when influencer wasn't a title, but aligning with with celebrities, athletes, musicians was that always the approach?
1: It's again for me, it's all about the brand. Uh, they're just like any restaurant where a celebrity is an owner just like you know uh, any company that puts advertising behind notable notable people 9 out of 10, 99 out of 100 don't work so it's all about the brand if the brand isn't good if it doesn't have you know we talked about it the story, the taste, the packaging, the name uh, if if it's not something you believe in it won't work um, what we're good at, and I believe is, or get what I can, I go back to this idea of organic brand building. I don't force our brand on anybody. I go after areas where I'm interested in it. I'm interested in that audience. I want to see if I can work with people. I want to work with people where they benefit and we benefit and it's working. And it's, to me, it it feels good because everybody wins the way we do it.
0: So how do you I mean, listen, anyone who goes out there and anyone who's got their eyes wide open, they could see celebrity endorsements on anything. I mean, look at you know, look at Shaq. I mean, that guy, that guy will put his name on anything for better or for worse, for better or for worse. But it really needs to align. Like, how do you what's that secret sauce to ensure that organic connection between a celebrity and a brand? Like, I mean, let's talk about Jay-Z with Ace of Spades. Was that was that a natural connection?
1: Yeah, that's a great example or uh, other people like Rick Ross or Lil Wayne. I don't I didn't know any of these people. These are not people I don't hang around with, we're not friends. I I became friends with them because of the brands. They found the brand. They fought the, the brand. The brands
0: called them. So they were consumers first before partnership.
1: Exactly. They're they're consume. they they wanted the brand, they consumed the brand that's what to me organic means it's real it's a real connection it's not a strategic decision saying geez look at these stats look at who their followers are look at their numbers we should go work with them that's not it no um i'm a fan of people discovering our brands because it's a real connection i i always tell this story 30 years ago i was at a club in miami with my dad and someone bought a bottle of kettle one it wasn't me and put it on the table and I was like oh my god that's the coolest thing I've ever seen from then on that was my brand I didn't even it wasn't me who purchased it but it's a connection affinity brands or you wear it on your sleeve and everybody you just mentioned loved the brands and we started talking and built a relationship and let's see what we can do together that's what it's about
0: so let's talk about that relationship with with Jay-Z and just to give everyone who's not familiar what what year was it around that you that you first met him and started to talk shop
1: uh god 2006
0: or seven right i mean he was huge back then even you know blueprint i mean we're talking jay-z was 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 it i mean
1: what was he, he go ahead
0: like what, what what was that that first impression um from, from what you see in the public persona versus when you actually got to know him as a person and as a businessman
1: oh he's he's a smart he's very smart, genuine, listens, wants to learn, um, understands. You know, I think he's he's great at branding in the sense that he knows what to pick up, what what works. Uh, for the same, and, and to me, that's the same reason why when you think about Ace at the time, you know, it's this this bottle that stood out. It connected with people. It it had a reaction. That's what you want in a brand. And he saw it. Um, And that's the same reaction other people have had, whether it's Rick with Bel Air and specifically Rose, whether it was Lil Wayne with with Bamboo, whether it's it's Martha Stewart with Bel Air, you know, whether it's Oprah um, uh, with Bamboo. It's like there's a connection. Um, So to me, getting back to it, Adam, I I, want to point this out. I don't know what the secret sauce is. There's not. I couldn't tell you one person that this is gonna work. It's not a formula. All has to do or she do to is do a post. However, I do believe in trying lots of things because then you're gonna find out. Maybe this does work. Maybe it doesn't work. Maybe this person has something. Maybe this person doesn't. You don't know until you try it.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's a valuable lesson, uh, you know, for for everyone. Are you are you dipping into? Is it is it just you know? M- music. I mean, th- that's kind of your sweet spot. I mean, have you, have you done anything outside of the music
1: <clears throat> we, uh, or you found uh, your I love, niche? No, I, I think and it, to me it's people, um, whether it's sports, whether it's different genres of music, <clears throat> EDM. I mean, yeah.
0: Look at Steve Ioki.
1: Yeah. Steve has been great. Uh, unbelievable. Um, but he, unbelievable connection with Steve. Um, But it can be other genres of music it can be i I love sports so that's a connection for me um uh i I think those two areas i'm more fond of um but it depends on who the influencer is and what they bring and the value um do do we get along it's a relationship uh and it's not to me it's not a transaction it's a relationship
0: no that's that's a big one let's refund that for a minute there I, I I truly believe I'm going to riff here for a second here that 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 so many people in today's world are just transactional short-term instant gratification and they're losing sense of the value of long-term relationships. What's what's your take on the scene? What's your hot take on on long-term versus short-term? Uh,
1: I well again I I can only speak what works for me and that is uh I want to get to know somebody I want to get a feeling of them. I want them to know us. Um, there's got to be a win-win scenario out of out of the relationship um, i I believe in that. you don't need to jump in day one you know we're not going anywhere uh, it can take six months, eight months a year then you figure it out figure what's going to work for them and what doesn't? Um if I use everybody knows Rick Ross is is been a huge supporter of Bel Air, specifically Rose, we probably talked for a year and a half before Rick started working with us in any There's significant trust. way. You
0: built trust, a rapport, a relationship, a human to human relationship. And, and and the rest is history. So let's let's talk for a minute about the self made Taste Better series. Who who came up with this concept and why did you choose to be the face of it?
1: Um it, it's again, it gets back to Within our team, within we try to think about what are our brands mean, and we started seeing on social media. You know, everyone's holding our bottles, and they pick them up and they hold them, and it it's a symbol.
0: Uh-huh. They're
1: a trophy. It's a sign of success. It's a sign you've achieved something. It's a sign of of I I want I've done something, and that resonated with me. And the idea of self made and self made to me isn't it's not. Again, I I, sa- I think I said, I touched on this earlier, it's not about the success because I think the average person can look at me and say, Jesus, look how quickly it happened. It didn't happen quickly. This is 20 plus years. The first seven sucked. It was horrifying. The grind, scary. the
0: uphill it's battle.
1: Correct. So I, I, what I wanted to focus on with people that I admire, whether you're up and coming or you're there is that struggling side, that side where where tell your story um, of what you went through, because one, your fans are gonna appreciate it, and two, there are people like me who I need that. I need to hear that because it drives me. It, it shows it can be done. It tells the, the young 20-year-old 20, 20 who wanted to do everything and didn't know how to start you know what, I can do it too, mentality. So that's what it's turned into. And I've got Love to interview everybody from Post Malone to Aoki Steve to Wayne Wiz. Um, I'm interviewing all these artists in Africa. I'm a huge fan of uh, music in Africa and promoting that. Um, I get to hear stories, and that's what I want to focus on.
0: That's what it's about. It's about creating a canvas. And, and we were talking about it before, you know, podcasting. It's it's creating a canvas, I created, you created a canvas where we showcase amazing human beings in our world, in our network, and we shine a light on them. But Brett, when we shine the light on them, that light also reflects back on us, right? And allows us, and, and it's almost like, you know, we talked about, it's not so much being selfish, but like we're learning. We're learning from from folks we admire. I have you on the show so I can meet you, learn from you, and share it with my audience. It's a masterclass it's- for me.
1: It's and 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 it gets back to this idea of relationships. You know, there's an artist named Currency from New Orleans who's amazing. I met Currency through an through my interview with him. And guess what? Now we're working together. That's I awesome. love the guy. Um, I interviewed uh, two artists, 24 Hours and uh, Selma Slims. I interviewed an African artist named Harry Song. Guess what? We put a whole t- song together between all three of them. We shot the video for wow. like it, stuff you never know where the opportunity is and you just kind of it can come organically by conversations like this
0: let's talk for a moment about your relationship with uh the late nipsey hustle uh past uh it's been a year yeah just just been a year and he's synonymous with self-made um talk to us about that relationship and what you learned from nipsey
1: nipsey just Unbelievable class act, and the perfect example is I was in LA. We had just shot a self-made uh, with um, I can't remember now. Nipsey shows up. He shows up early. He shows up without anybody. No entourage. It's just him. He's just hanging out. That's Nipsey. It's genuine. That's Nipsey. And then in the interview, I, I remember um, you know he had this story which I fully embrace, and this is the hardest part about about trying things on your own he referred to it as popping your trunk on the corner and what it means is he pop your trunk means go go to the corner of the busiest street sell. open up your trunk and go sell that's hard that to have the balls to go do that is hard and i get it and that's where you gotta start if, if you've got we don't all have you know, you can't all approach an investment banking firm and a hedge fund or money and go. I want to go raise money. Just go freaking sell. Just do it. Um, that's what I did, and that's what he said, and I embrace that every day.
0: It's a grind. It's it's like the 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 real the real work. And 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 lately, I don't know about you. I I see people kind of shitting and trying to cancel the word grind and hustle. You know what? That's the stuff that got you to where you are. That shelf behind you. Right, This this studio office business that I built, it didn't just appear magically. Sure. We got to fucking put the work in and sure. do it. So you know what? Yep. If you want to start something, grind. Because I think the problem is in social media. I'm going to rant for a second here. You see all these unicorn companies getting these billion-dollar valuations for nothing but a small idea. That represents 0.0000, millions of zeros, 1% of all the entrepreneurs out there. And they think that they could just get there magically and they're going to get lucky. Oh. But it, luck is shit. It's work. The hard work Correct. is what gets you there.
1: And Adam, Adam I'll, I'll give you a story on that. I was I spoke at a Citibank conference about uh, branding and up-and-coming, yada, yada. And before I went on, they had uh, the, the founder of Casper Beds. Um, and I guess it's one of those at the time. It was, maybe it still is, one of these unicorns. Yep. And he talked about how in the past 12 months, it's just this global enterprise, crazy business, huge success, raise billions of dollars, and then I go up. And my response to the audience is, I'm sorry, you're not gonna hear that story. Like that's, I can't, I can't, um, I don't know how to relate to that. It's so foreign to me, but I can be successful my way. And maybe there's people out there who can be successful my way, which is just freaking work in the street
0: yeah you, you you work it and, and 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 i think it's this concept i talk about all the time the the idea of eating what you kill yep. if if i don't hunt if you don't hunt people aren't eating and your yep. family the people that work for you the brands and everything and that and that's the fuel to my fire brett let's bring this home here um something that oozes from you is authenticity something that you talk mm-hmm. about from you personally and from your brands too how how do you it's this is a tough one man how, how do you define authenticity being authentic
1: uh I, I, it's. I interviewed a, a guy. I think last week or two weeks ago, who said, "I, I asked. Oh, his beanie man, beanie man, is, beanie man. Yeah, yeah. From Jamaica, he's one of the. He's a, the king of. Was that Sim
0: Sima um, who got the keys to Mabima? Is that beanie man?
1: <laughs> he. He's. he's <laughs> that was out of nowhere. Forty years famous. He started being famous at five, and I asked him. How do, you, how do you stay uh, how do you, driven like this? And he said, if you, if you fall out of love, you were never loved with it to begin with. And he's right. Meaning, it's I found what I love. I'm passionate about it. It's easy because I, I believe in it. I believe in my brands. They're like children to me. I'm, I changed my name during COVID to Brett all in bearish i believe it now it's brett let's go bearish i believe it like if it's natural just go with it be yourself and make it happen and i I believe in these things i I can't fake this stuff so i love my brands i love my team i love what i'm doing Uh, what it's all about is more exciting than today and i want to show it
0: that's that's tremendous what's what's the next hot spirit coming down
1: um i for me, well, we got two more brands coming next year. I got to keep it quiet. My team doesn't know yet. <laughs> um, it's the four we have now. It, Bel Air is on fire. Uh, Bamboo is killing it. McQueen, our gin, and the Violet Fog is just the coolest thing.
0: Going up against Ryan uh, Reynolds, man, it's a tough yep. one. Aviation, oh, that's easy. That's easy.
1: <laughs> this is authentic. And then, uh, and then, our, our 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 product that competes in the cognac category we own. So those are the four things we focus on now.
0: Good stuff, man. And, and Brett, what is what is the single greatest piece of advice you've ever received that you take action on every day of your life?
1: Uh, you can't buy cool. My dad always says this. I'll give you two. Can't buy cool and uh, don't wait for anybody. If you're waiting for a follow-up, it's never going to happen. If you're waiting for somebody to make you successful, it's never going to happen. If you're, if you're waiting, you've already missed out.
0: Just do it. Lead,
1: don't follow. Lead, lead, lead. There's so many. All these things I just said. My brother and I share with our team every single day. Make one dollar equal ten. Have a sense of urgency. Um, Make shit happen. Yeah. Just there's so many, but (laughs) you know, you hear when you hear it, you know it, and you just want to you want to follow it.
0: Oh, that's good stuff, man. And and last but not least, right? You look you look back on your life, you look back on your career, you look back at those hard times when the IRS was freaking coming at you, man, and you had that conversation with your mom and you're like, shit, I gotta pull myself up. I gotta harness this inner tenacity to lift me up and pull me forward and up and out and down the right path. And right now you're sitting here in Florida, your family talking proud about your kids, the brand that you built, this legacy, and you wanna show gratitude. What keeps you in focus? What is your compass? Brett Barish, what is your North Star in life?
1: Uh, that same moment when I talked to my mother, it it's no longer, or even it was, pro, it's that. It's no longer about the money. It's not about the money. It's, uh, to me, that will come if you love what you're doing and you believe in it, Uh uh don't make it about the money. Cause it, it's easy. It, you'll get there. You'll get there. You know, I, I'm sure you hear it all the time, Adam, you know, if I could just get 1% of the industry and I could sell it for multiple of this and yada, Like, that's not real. That's not real. Uh, love what you do. I love what I do.
0: And it, and it shows man, Brett hang with me for one moment here. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. This is incredible. I hope everyone listening, uh, this is a good one this is a great episode and and I feel it right here I' want to check out sovereignbrands.com brett check out the podcast it is awesome they're they're quick they are they are digestible they're entertaining I love that you put so much work into the you, you could tell you could tell from the quality of the production how much you and the team care and, and it shows a long way so I want to thank you so much for joining me today Brett Awesome. Hang with me for one moment here. And everyone listening at home, you know where to find out more at thepodcast.com. If you like this episode, leave a review rating. It goes a long way. Sharing means caring. Remember, take care of each other. Look out for one another. Do the right thing every time, because that is the right way to do things. And catch us next week for another great episode of The podcast. Take care, everybody. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us.